Hi, welcome back to the Namaste podcast. This is Jen. Hi, everyone. This is Tisha. And we've been away for a minute. You know, we had our long break for the holidays. And then it's just been, as it's been in all of your schools, I'm sure, just getting back and not knowing what we're coming back to and being short-staffed and just, just I don't even know the word to say anymore because I feel like it's like Groundhog Day. It's like a broken record, but it's been yeah. exhausting to say the least. So we just wanted to take a second and come back in, drop in and check in with our audience and see how you guys are doing and how you're coping with these times. Um, I know for me, like I said, it just feels like it's the same thing over and over again. So I wanted to kind of hop on and talk about some positivity and some celebrations, you know, with all the negativity that we could stay with and that we have continued to reflect on over the last few months and gosh, years at this point. Um, some, what is something positive that's happening in our school environment? So I think I'll just turn that one over to you first, Tisha. What's going on that's going well so far? Well, I could say in our school environment, one of the things we just had the first semester end and our end of course exam scores went up this semester. So students are still, you know, performing well and staying with their classes and especially the English one and English two classes, I believe in the algebra courses, their scores went up. So that's a good thing. And students are just trying to do the best they can and stay motivated and teachers the same, you know, with everything that's going on. So that's a plus. Absolutely. And actually that reminds me of just like the resiliency of the students and the educators. And I know that's something that we're going to talk about a little bit later in this episode of how to keep that momentum going, but it's just really amazing to me. I think sometimes, you know, when I'm reflecting on all that this pandemic has taught us, I think that the resiliency of humans and our students and our schools and our staff and our schools is something that has jumped out to me as a positive and has really kind of shown us like what we're all made of. And so I'm really happy to hear that the students are doing well and they're able to retain and just that piece of them being in school. I know that that's something that we've talked about like last year, it was so you know anxiety provoking to think about like, where are they, are they safe? And so even just that stability of being in school, even though of course there are so many factors going on and there's time missed and learning loss, but just that need for connection and mentoring and relationships that happen within physically being in the building. So I think that that's been a huge plus as well. So I'm just gonna echo that too for us, just being with the students, building those relationships and kind of connecting with them in a way that we couldn't in past months and years during this pandemic. That's true. And uh, Jen, you brought up um, some good points with the relationships. I think this time has also taught us a lot and how important those relationships are and to have authentic and real, just like real engagement with others. You know, this time has taught us like what's really important and the things that we need to really let go of and we don't even need in our lives anymore or in our schools anymore that our kids come first or teachers come first I mean not all schools are are seeing that you know as far as mental health goes but I do hear a lot of a lot more talk about it you know nationally that the kids are not well the teachers are not well so 
probably not having all the solutions, but at least they're acknowledging that this time is hard for everybody. Definitely. And that's a plus. That could be a plus, you know, shedding light I there. I definitely think so. I think that that just becoming part of the national conversation and highlighting all of the things that we've all gone through and some of them that existed pre-pandemic. Um, and I do think though, and we've talked about this before, that there is that pressure that educators and students feel to catch up, catch up, catch up, or like to accelerate. I was talking to one of my friends um, who was one of the guests on the show before, Jen Hunter, and she's a teacher in Massachusetts. And she was saying like, accelerate is like the buzzword in public education these days. Like, how are we going to accelerate? How are we going to accelerate? And the reality is, is it's really difficult to bypass everything that's been going on. And it's really insensitive in some ways too, with the mental health crisis and just all of the you know, social emotional components. So um, making sure that we make space for our students' well-being, continuing to build those relationships and for our own sort of check-ins with each other as a community, I think is really big. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. So something else that I think is really empowering is some of the exciting work that you've been doing, Tisha, with um, the organization E3 and activism work and then just anti-truth legislation. And that's been something that's weighing on all of us, I think, and maybe that some of us are not aware of. So if you could just speak to some of that work, I'd really love to share that with our listeners today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, among other things that I'm doing, uh, my doctoral studies as well, I'm doing that and learning a lot from that, but I'm working with a group in Charleston, an organization called the E3 Foundation. And they're founded by uh, Letitia Vaughn and Audrey, Audrey Lane. And it, what it does is uh, educate, empower, and elevate. That's the E3. And what we try to do is just bring awareness to our community and show them that the whole family is involved in education. And one of the things that we're uh, really working hard with now is activism work around the anti-truth legislation and the bills that are going forward in the state houses, not only in South Carolina, but around the country. So what it is, is that it's like in South Carolina, you've been hearing in the buzzwords, you know, the CRT and critical race theory, which is not even taught in K through 12 education, but um, some of those past administration uh, bills have carried over and they're still being debated in legislators across the country, but they're preventing public schools and teachers, even institutions of higher learning from like really teaching the truth and really just like trying to erase certain people from education and from history and being what we can uh, be taught and what students can learn and what teachers can teach. So it's, it's really a divisive plan and the bills that are coming out, a lot of them really don't make any sense. And the language in those bills are so ambiguous and vague and they just don't, they're not clear. So, and I think that's by design because lay people and everyday folks and families don't understand this kind of language, this legal terminology and some of the higher academic stuff that, you know, are just placed in these bills just to confuse people even more. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, around the country, you've been hearing about it. And South Carolina is um, really have has a joint effort with uh, the ACLU and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and our organization, E3, and just like bringing awareness and just educating folks going to the state house and sending letters and testimony. So there's a lot being done. Uh, mm -hmm. We just have to keep the momentum up because these are, are critical to, to what our kids can learn. And, you know, if we ever want to come together as a society, we have to know about our history. We have to know about each other and Absolutely. not fear our, our history and each other. So what these bills do, they just want to like erase the truth and their anti-truth bills and our organization and our campaign is called pro-truth so we're you know trying to counter act and push back against that anti-truth so more is coming just you know if you hear about it i think cbs mm -hmm. even did something on cbs.com you can find out more about these type of bills around the, the country that are going yeah. uh forward you know so just to educate 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 is is the key Okay, that's really helpful. And I think we can link some things in the show notes to help our listeners, because I think that like we talked about earlier that there's that sense of fatigue and overwhelm and exhaustion that's been prevalent. And then at the same time, it does feel almost intentional that these types of bills are being slipped in. And so we might not feel like we have time or space or the capacity for activism, but how important it is to the work that we do and to the truth being, you know, pervasive in our environments. Um, so I know, like you mentioned, that there's a way that you can write letters to legislators who can sign petitions. Um, we've talked about this on previous shows, but activism looks different for different people, and there's so many ways to get involved. So we'll make sure that we link in the show notes just different ways that we can um, find out about legislations in different states, and then specifically what we're doing here in South Carolina and what you guys are doing with the E3 organization. I think that's really inspiring work, and it's really important for the work that we do moving forward, and most importantly for our students and the future of the world that we want to shape, right? Like we don't want to be a world that bears our head in the sand, but we want to look at things from multiple perspectives and really see truth and not be shut down to truth. We're supposed to be a free country. Education is supposed to be this empowering tool. And yet there's these legislation that are trying to interfere with that. And I think that can be really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, as you, we talked about earlier, when we started the show, just like something like that's inspiring or that's going on. This is inspirational. I mean, it's hard work and it's activism, but it's getting people more involved in education and what happens in our schools and parents are being, you know, involved in this. And I want to say this is like an extension of, you know, what happened with George Floyd and the protests. It's on a different scale because we're not out in public or in, you know, mass protests anymore, but this campaign is really being driven by social media and, you know, writing letters, like you said, and calling. So it looks a little bit different, but the fight and the, and the tenacity is still there. That's really, that's great too, because I feel like sometimes there's that momentum originally, like when there's marching or something that's getting a lot of media attention and then people may not know what to do or like life happens or it's not at the forefront. So, and this is really the work that makes the impact in our schools, in our society, in our lives. 
And so just be making this a part of our personal mission and professional mission, I think is definitely the way we can move things forward. So I'm excited about this work for you, for all of us. And I'm grateful for the work that you guys are doing to promote this through E3, Tisha. I really appreciate that. And it helps me know more of what's going on because I'm always like, all right, Tisha, what does this really mean? So it's helpful to have you with the inside scoop. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to share. Um, we can. Uh, we wanted to also talk about right now resilience. And Jen, if you don't mind, uh, can we talk a little bit about the 12 habits that build resilience? I'll talk about one of them, the mm -hmm. January one, and then uh, you can talk about February, just give an overview of resilience Definitely. and what that means for teachers and uh, Aguilar's work. Definitely. Um, I guess I'll start by just kind of giving a little bit of like my experience with Aguilar before we talk about our January initiative and then I can get into February. Um, but Elena Aguilar is an instructional coach. I think, coach, I think she's based out of California um, and she's written a lot of great books. The one that I've read that I like the most so far is The Art of Coaching. And I did that when I was in my coaching training. And she just has such a great way to just look at coaching as such a, profession that helps move forward the other professions. Um, I think that her work really spoke to me as a young and inexperienced coach. And there's just so much there that she can offer to all of us in the profession. And so I'm excited to talk more about these resilience practices, because as we mentioned, like that's something that we're celebrating, but also something that we need to dig deep and need more of uh, now more than ever, I think. So if you want to transition to what she talks about for her January intention. Yes. And, and her work, uh, she has a lot of books on resilience, but the one uh, that the 12 habits of resilience are in is the book called Onward. And there's also a companion workbook. And she organizes like a year-long calendar around 12 habits that educators can develop and cultivate to, to build more resilience in the work that they do and just in who they are as, as individuals and as human beings, you know, because we, as teachers and educators, whatever we do, we bring ourselves, our whole selves to our work. We can't just leave parts of ourselves out. But uh, the month of January is pretty much over tomorrow. Gosh, it's hard to believe. It seems like New Year's Crazy. Day was just here. We were saying Happy New Year. Now it's already February. But uh, number eight um, for January was compassion, cultivate compassion. And as we practice compassionate thinking for others and ourselves, she just reminds us to become better equipped to handle difficult situations and different ways that we can cultivate compassion to broaden our perspective on how we see or how we look at situations. A lot of times, you know, we always look for the negative or we see the negative but it helps us to empathize also and to look at the positive or the bright side, you know, for our students and some of the challenges that we face in our, in our classrooms and in our schools when, you know, just interacting with different um, stakeholders and, and the like. So she just encourages us to be more compassionate, cultivating that compassion. That was for January. So Jen, you could talk That's about February. Yeah, that's really good. And also, I think with the you know, idea of compassion, there's also that self-compassion piece. And we can't mm -hmm. give to others what we don't have for ourselves. And so I think that's an important piece of the puzzle that it starts inward and then kind of has a ripple effect. So I really love that 
intention. And then for February, it's like be a learner and be curious. And so Aguilar says that resilient people are curious and they, whenever they experience a challenge, it's important that we turn around and we say like, okay, that was hard. That pushed my limits, but what can I learn from it? And I think that first piece about like normalizing the hard is one important step. I've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown, her podcast recently, and I just got her newest book. Um, I think it's called Atlas of the Heart. And it's just really important that we even just normalize the fact that things are hard, right? We're going to face challenges as leaders, as educators, as human beings, really, and especially right now. And so just saying out loud and normalizing like that was hard. Okay, so that's the first step and validating that it was hard for somebody else. But then taking that step further and having that growth mindset of like, well, what can I learn from this experience? Because just even having that question alone shifts you into a place of resilience. So you're not, you're going from a victim mentality to more empowered. So taking this experience, learning from it, the concept of post-traumatic growth. I know we've talked about that on the podcast before, but you know, we can grow from every experience. So for the month of February, Aguilar really encourages us as teachers to reflect on who we are as learners, how to better understand the stages of the learning process, and to practice seeing challenges as invitations to curiosity and how we can learn and grow from our experiences, whether, you know, no matter how hard they are. That is really good. And when you talked about being a learner, I'm just thinking like now a lot of people are, are expanding themselves and trying to even just learn new skills or learn new habits, you know, during this time. And that also builds resilience when you learn new things and just like expand your thinking or even um, reframing. You talked about that, Jen, in a podcast mm-hmm. before, you know, just mm-hmm. like looking at things from different perspectives. That's, that's a, a new learning for a lot of people. So testing, you know, pushing those limits and propelling us to build our own resilience by learning more curiosity, really good. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. The whole idea of just like rewriting your story, like flipping your script. And it just, it does create new neural pathways when you're reframing and reclaiming and learning new things. And I think that can be really inspiring. Like it's, you're never too old to learn something new. And I think that that's been a big takeaway for me, just being an educator, because as an educator, also we're continuing to grow professionally and personally because we're modeling for our students, right? That like, we're okay, we're comfortable with being uncomfortable. And sometimes learning can be uncomfortable because it's never, you know, if you're learning it, you're not yet an expert or you're not mastered it. So it's going to feel uncomfortable, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think that the more we step into that and lean into that, we are not only expanding ourselves, but we're also continuing to modeling that, to model that for our students. So I love that. It's really inspiring to me. Yeah, this is, this is really good. Um, just even us talking about this is uplifting. I mean, when we think about it, because it's like the days are hard, the days are long. And when the weekend comes, we're just like dead. But the weekends are the times when we can, you know, recharge and rejuvenate and rest and, you know, continue learning, you know, and, and reading. Like you said, you're reading Brene Brown's new book. I didn't even know she had a new book out. She's amazing. Oh, 
you'll love wow. it. It's pretty too. It's got like, it's very visual and it's got quotes mm. and I'll let you borrow when I'm done. It's really a highly recommend. And then the other thing, cause we always end up talking about what we're reading. I'm on like this, like Jacqueline Woodston kick right now. I mean, she's always phenomenal, yes. but we're doing book circles with her at our school this month. And so I'm in like two different book clubs with students. So I'm reading two of her books and then our anchor text is Brown Girl Dreaming. I'm doing Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson. And I'm also reading one more Jacqueline Woodson book that, oh, Feathers by Jacqueline Woodson. So I just, I'm really enjoying that author study delving in to Jacqueline Woodson that's, right now. That's really cool. I saw her recently on uh, the PBS NewsHour, uh, I think at the end of 2021, where they were talking about like, what are your favorite books for the year? And uh, I might put a link to that in the show notes. And you mentioned Jacqueline Woodson and she mentioned some books that are, you know, her favorites from 2021. Oh, fun. I definitely would like to see that. So, and I know you're probably reading so much with your coursework and everything right now, Tisha, but anything that you'd recommend that you've read recently? Uh, actually, I just got a book that it's a really quick read, but it's the uh, Afro Minimalist Guide to like minimalism. I don't have the title right, but it's from an Afro perspective, like Afro minimalism. Like oh, we heard cool. about the, the minimalist movement, but yeah. this just came out. So I picked it up um, the other day and it's a short little book. So yes, I am doing a lot with my uh, PhD work and doing a lot of reading because I'm working on a case study right now, but I'm trying to find a balance with the scholarly reading and the articles mm -hmm. and all the different journals and books for that. But I take breaks and have fun read. So that's a fun one. That's awesome. What a great share. Well, this was a lot of fun. And as a positive, like this was uplifting to me because like you said, the weeks have been long and hard and exhausting. Um, and it's been hard for us to even make the space and carve out time in our schedule. But I always feel uplifted after we, you know, chat and have these podcasts. It's a bucket filler for me. So thank you all for being here. I'm really grateful for this conversation. Yeah, and hopefully we won't uh, take so long before we get back to you, but life has yep. been happening and I think everybody can relate. Absolutely. All right, All everybody right, stay well, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. All right, bye.